right. Well, welcome. Welcome, everyone. Really excited to have you here, and thanks for joining the talk on Ethereum Merge. I'm Zane, our VP of Engineering, and I'm responsible for four of the teams here. Uh, one of them is our smart contracts team, which focuses on uh, projects built on Ethereum and other blockchains. Um, I have been here for about a year and a half. I helped to start the New York City office, and uh, yeah, really excited to be here with you all. Thanks, Zane. Uh, hey everyone, uh, Lou Capone. I'm the lead engineer here on the smart contracts team under Zane, as he mentioned. And uh, yeah, I've been at Horizon Labs for about a year now, just across the year mark, and uh, been doing a lot of fun things. I started on the tools team and worked with some of you guys uh, on some of those uh, projects, and we pivoted over and started the smart contracts team, and it's been growing over the last year and doing a lot of fun things. So excited to talk to you guys today. All right, today's agenda, we're going to talk a little bit about the definition of the merge, uh, some like an intro on consensus mechanisms, proof of work versus proof of stake, uh, how it's affected us. So we'll go through the case study of ape staking, which is for the Yuga ecosystem, and uh, some misconceptions about the merge, and then after the merge. Cool. All right. So this is uh, Vitalik. Many of you know him well. This is a photo from 2014. Uh, he was born in 1994, so he's 20 at the time. Uh, in 2007 to 2010, so when he was 13 through uh, ages 16, he played uh, World of Warcraft pretty often. Uh, and during that time, he had a couple of characters. Uh, one of them was a character that had lost all uh, one of their abilities uh, based on the game maker's decision. So the game maker's decision at the time, uh, the game maker was Blizzard Entertainment. They had removed uh, one of the capabilities of his character and that like really took away his investment in World of Warcraft and he's been quoted to say that was when he learned the evils of centralization. So <laughs> that kicked off uh, the decentralization uh, movement that he's a big part of. So the Ethereum merge. Uh, so if you type it in Google, uh, you'll see that Google recognizes it as well. I typed this in a, a few days ago, but I think as of now it's about two days. So sometime between uh, on September 13th or 15th, 15th, but uh, it'll likely be around the 15th. Uh, you'll see a difficulty level there, and the merge will happen at the merge difficulty level. So what is the merge? The merge is a transition from the proof of work consensus over to proof of stake. Um, and you'll see that simplified diagram there where the beacon chain uh, is a progression towards proof of stake where the theorem states such as transactions, apps, contracts and balances moves to proof of stake. So you see the merge happening right in the middle and then after that, sharding. And going to the website more about the merge, um, it, uh, it marks the end of the proof of work uh, for Ethereum and it's a full transition 
to proof of stake. Uh, so this sets the stage for future upgrades. And this merge will reduce Ethereum's energy consumption by 99 plus percent. This was the latest update from the website. All right, uh, consensus mechanisms. So you can think of block, uh, blockchains such as Ethereum and Horizon as a distributed database. And for distributed databases, there are multiple nodes, uh, each having their own copy of the database. And when adding a row to this database, it's not as easy as a centralized service. So for a centralized service, there's one place where uh, it's the go-to authority for state and adding a row. But when there are multiple uh, folks involved, um, it, it requires a sense of coordination. And some folks might have heard of the Byzantine generals problem. And what that is, is just like describing a scenario that's similar to here, where uh, you have several armies, they have a common goal, and that goal could be anything. It could be to attack a castle, it could be to retreat. How do you coordinate in a environment that's hostile, meaning that you don't know who to trust, you don't, information is imperfect, so how, how do you do that? And that's where the invention of consensus comes in. Uh, the two uh, consensus mechanisms that we'll talk about are proof of work and proof of stake. Thanks, Zane. So if we look at the two uh, main forms of consensus uh, being used today, popularized today, uh, proof of work and proof of stake, there are some key differences to look at. Uh, first is when mining or validating a block. Um, the amount of work or hash rate that you have allows you the highest probability of getting the chance to mine that block, whereas in a proof of stake system, um, the amount of staked coins that you have gives you that higher probability. In terms of the rewards, um, whoever in a proof of work system, the first person to mine the block is the one who receives the reward, whereas in proof of stake, uh, the validator does not receive a reward, uh, but they are paid a network fee. And in terms of competition, this is one of the key differences in the two systems, uh, which I think is one of the biggest differences. Um, in proof-of-work systems, uh, the miners are competing against each other to solve complex puzzles and leveraging their processing power in order to be the first uh, to solve that puzzle and get the chance to mine the block. Whereas in a proof-of-stake system, uh, it's an algorithmically uh, decided uh, approach where uh, one uh, forger uh, or miner, not a miner, but a validator is selected and they're the one that gets to mine the block. And in this case, this is where you see a lot of the energy savings because not everyone is competing in order to mine the block. Uh, there's some other differences in terms of the equipment that's used. So in a proof of work system, you really want to focus on how much uh, processing power you have, including um, high power GPUs and other hardware. Whereas in a proof of stake system, you really just need a standard uh, powered machine to be able to do some of this stuff because uh, computation power isn't the main uh, focus area. In terms of adding malicious blocks, um, we've all heard of 51% attacks, and that's done by owning 50% or more of the 
hash rate, which is something that you could uh, somehow attain uh, by different methods. And in a proof-of-stake system, a hacker would need 51% of the uh, currency that's used as the staking uh, token. In terms of efficiency, um, of course, proof-of-work is less efficient. It's known for being um, just you know, not very environmentally friendly and so on. I think a lot of us have heard this, whereas proof-of-stake systems do cut down on that energy. It is uh, a general opinion that proof-of-work is more reliable, and whereas proof-of-stake uh, is more prone to uh, security vulnerabilities, but uh, it's not the case always. So, and we'll talk about that with the upcoming merge. So and in terms of uh, security, um, the more hash rate that you have, the more uh, secure your network is. And uh, in terms of proof of stake, um, staking helps lock crypto assets to secure the network in exchange for reward. So you're really in a proof of stake system. What you're doing is putting up something of value that is something you could stand to lose if you act maliciously towards the network. So moving on to uh, a case study that we've seen on our team when it comes to the merge is the, one of the products that we're launching, which is apestake.io. And uh, in our case, there was a few uh, different um, areas that when we were working with developing this project that had to do with the merge. So first of all is the business requirements. So uh, one such requirement comes out of the uh, APE improvement proposal that spurred on this project, which is that the rewards will be given out on a certain amount on a quarterly basis, which means that we need to have some form of time boundaries in place uh, for this project. So two of the ways that you could think to do that in uh, the Ethereum EVM space, one might be by counting blocks and another could be by using timestamps. And we had explored the approach of using blocks as a methodology for distributing the rewards. Uh, but we soon found that in the post-merge Ethereum environment, um, blocks and block times and judging how many blocks will occur in a certain amount of time is not perfectly reliable, even though we thought it might be. And some more context there is that uh, in the post-merge environment, um, we're going to have exact 12 second time slots are what they're called, and not necessarily blocks. So one block will get added to each time slot uh, at most. So there could be a chance that some slots are missed and a block is not mined in that slot. So that made it very unreliable for us to rely on blocks as a form of creating a certain time span. So we chose to go with the timestamp approach, which is a more uh, better fit for this use case. Secondly, uh, when it came to testing this project, um, we wanted to do it in a post-merge environment. So to do that, we have leveraged the Gurley testnet, which is now becoming the standard testnet that is used for um, all post-merge type testing. So this way, we're able to uh, develop on this application in a more production-like environment. And the last thing to consider uh, when developing a project around the time of the merge is when you deploy. So there are some thoughts, are we going to deploy before the merge or after the merge? Will it matter? So there's always things to consider in that case. 
So deploying before the merge will uh, have some consequences if there is potentially a malicious fork that happens at the time of the merge where certain Ethereum miners decide to keep the original chain going. And in that case, you could appear to have a duplication of your coins on two chains. And around the time of launching a new product, it's definitely something that we want to avoid. So we chose to pick a launch date that will be for sure after the merge. So some common misconceptions about the merge. Um, this is uh, right off their website, but we can go through these. Um, running a node. I think running an Ethereum node is something that's common for a certain subset of the community that values that decentralization. And there is a thought going around that running a node will now require 32 ETH. Um, but that's actually not true. Um, staking on the network to become a validator will require 32 ETH. But to run your own node, um, you can still do that in a capacity that does not forge new blocks. And to do that, you can, you can do that without having to stake 32 ETH. So the 32 ETH only comes in if you want to be a block forger and receive those rewards associated. Uh, secondly is a big one, which is that the merge is going to reduce gas fees and increase throughput. And this is not the case. So um, it's been deemed as uh, ETH 2.0, and the merge is being called kind of when ETH 2.0 comes out, so to speak. Uh, but that's actually not true. ETH 2.0 is a long roadmap that could be five plus years out. And the ideas around increasing throughput uh, by use of sharding and other mechanisms, um, that's not in place yet and won't be for uh, another few years. But what this does do is uh, set the stage for future developments, which will allow for uh, the larger Ethereum vision um, that's been laid out. So we won't see a reduced cost in fees. Um, and for most users, they can expect it to uh, act as they normally would expect it to. Uh, what else? So transactions will be noticeably faster after the merge. Um, this is also not true. Uh, the block times and the block sizes are about the same. So currently, uh, today, we see 13 to 16 second block times, and it is variable. Uh, the only change is that we're moving to a fixed system where, again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we have 12 second time slots, and each time slot will have at most one block. So we can expect a little more consistency, and perhaps uh, the average block time will come down slightly, uh, but it won't be a large change that any users uh, will recognize. And again, that means that there's really no additional throughput. The blocks are the same size, and everything can be expected to be just about the same for the daily user. And lastly, um, has to do with uh, withdrawing staked ETH. So people are thinking that as soon as the merge happens, that will allow us to withdraw our staked ETH that we have already started to stake on the beacon chain. And that's actually not true. So there's going to be another 6 to 12 month wait for that feature to come out with a future uh, hard fork. So to add a little context around that, the, the current beacon chain, uh, which is the new consensus mechanism, has been out and live and in production for 
a couple years now, since December 2020. And the purpose of that was to let the beacon chain exist uh, as a consensus mechanism to prove uh, its worth and, and to find any bugs associated without it being tied to any real world value. So it's been going for this long. And uh, the idea now is that we are going to merge in, hence the word merge, the Ethereum state, which will be the execution layer for all the Ethereum transactions. So you'll have the execution layer, which is what we consider to be mainnet today, decoupled from the consensus layer, which is existing on the beacon chain today. So those two chains will come together, and hence the name uh, merge. So they do have an ambitious roadmap uh, with a lot of Ethereum Foundation and researchers uh, creating a vision and a plan, and they are uh, operating as expected. I think according to some, maybe a little too slow, but things are happening as they expected. So again, just for context, the beacon chain was the first step towards uh, moving to proof of stake. And again, it's been that empty chain running the 12-second time slots uh, since December 2020. And then the merge, which should be happening uh, very shortly here, uh, which will bring all the Ethereum state over to the beacon chain, and it will remove any need for miners, uh, which of course could cause some contention in the community. And sharding is the next roadmap item, which I think we could expect to be a few years out from now, which this will be uh, the phase where we expect more throughput, lower fees, and such. That's everything. So um, glad everyone came. We'd be happy to just treat this as kind of an informal session just to chat about the topic, and we'd be happy to answer uh, any questions as well. <laughs>